First John chapter 4, 1 through 6, just remain seated. We've already stood for the reading of God's Word, and I'm going to go ahead and jump right into this. Um, so, talk is cheap, right? Amen. We hear a lot of people say a lot of things, but talk truly is cheap. When we have gone through now three full chapters in First John, we see that talk is cheap. Uh, those that are of Christ bear witness to that, not just with their tongue, but also in their lifestyle. Remember that? So it's a, it's a lifestyle that bears witness. And it doesn't go much further than that today. We get right back into that and we're going to see a lot of the same themes. And John is going to uh, put us right back into that today. Did I turn this on? Did I hit my button? <laughs> All right. 1 John chapter 4 and verse 1. Let's get right into it. Listen to what it says. Beloved, do not believe every spirit. Do not believe every spirit. John tells us to not believe everything that you hear or see from a person. He says that we are to judge those things. We are to discern those things. And the last time I checked, discernment was something that came from the Spirit of God to begin with. And so when it comes to the teaching and the preaching and the, and the lifestyle or what somebody is saying, John says, listen, we are to discern what they are saying. So does he literally mean to critique Everything Does he mean that we're to be such harsh critics that a person can't say anything because you're, you're being so critical that you cannot receive or listen to anything? That's not what he's driving at. He is, he is telling us to, re, to, to think about these things, to yes, critique them, to, to ponder them, to mull them over, but not to be so critical that we cannot receive You ever been critical like that before? Let's be honest. I have. There are some that are so critical of others that they see all their faults. Yes or true? Yes or no? They see all their faults and nothing is ever good enough. Now, I've been in this position. I've received this from other people, but I have also dealt this out. And it's not Christian. It's not right. And I'm just being real, being honest with you. I've done this. I've been there. And it's not very pleasant when it comes back on you. So John is not talking about having a critical spirit here. He's talking about seeing what's, what's going on, receiving that, and then breaking it down by the truth of God's Word. What's been given. So what is John talking about here? He says, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. Test. To put to a test. That's what it means. To try. To examine. This is what he's saying. To try. To examine. When you got precious metals, what do you do with those precious metals? To get them precious, what happens? First off, you have to test them. Now, I used to collect silver. I used to collect it. And at first glance, I could look at it and I could see if it was silver or not. Then I could pick it up or I could hit it against something or scratch it on something. And then I could weigh it and then I could examine to see how much was pure and how much wasn't. Then I could look at the size of it and see, okay, well, it's this size, so I know that something this weight is going to be pure, so this can't, it has to have some type of impurities in it. This is what John is telling us. 
Put it to the test. Put it to the test. Put it to the test. To try to examine. There was a group in the book of Acts that did this. Anybody remember? The Bereans did it, of course. Acts 17, 10, and 11. It says they received the words with eagerness and then put them to the test. They searched the scriptures to see if these things were so, did they not? John tells us here to use discernment concerning what's been said and what's being done. And we know that we're ultimately to measure it up against the word of God, which is the plumb line, right? And so this is what he's talking about. And so John tells us to stay on guard. He tells us to stay on guard. Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. Because many false prophets have gone out into the world. Why does he tell us to stay on guard? Because many false prophets have gone out into the world. Those that were not sent. Clouds without rain. Uh, they're, they're, they're people that go about stirring up their own sparks. These are false prophets, false teachers, false preachers, antichrists. Those that have gone out but have not been sent. They declare peace and there's no peace in them. And he tells us to discern this. To be on guard because many, many false prophets have gone into the world. Now, when we, re, when we apply this to 1 John in chapter 4, what is he talking about? Who is he talking about? David, who is he talking about? He's talking about the Gnostics, right? This is who he's talking about. He's talking about the Gnostics. The Gnostics came into the church. They began to spread heresy. They began to, to stir up their own sparks. They had empty and vain words. They did not testify to the truth. And what did it do? It caused confusion. It caused confusion. John calls us to be discerners of these people. Listen to what it says in 1 John 2, 18 and 19. 1 John 2, 18 and 19. We've already went over this, but I want you to hear what it says concerning the Gnostics. Children, it is the last hour, and just as you heard that Antichrist is coming, even now many Antichrists have arisen, and from this we know that it is the last hour. Verse 19, they went out from us, but they were not really of us. Verse 1, it says, or in this, in this verse 1 in chapter 4, it says, Because many false prophets have gone out into the world. These Gnostics, when they left the early church, when they left that one particular spot that John was writing to, and those believers, where do you, where, where do you think they went to next? The next place that would receive them, right? The next place they would go into. This is why John is telling us that we are to be on guard because there are many false prophets that have went out into the world. They will not stay. They will cause trouble. They'll cause a stir and they will get up and then they will leave, leaving a wake of damage behind them. Teaching false doctrine, teaching things that are not true. And then they get up and leave. This is why John tells us very clearly, stay on guard. Why? Because if they've left one place, guess what? They're going somewhere else. Yeah. 
And you have to be able to discern and recognize them when they come in. This is why it is so important. They left one place, went into another. Stay on guard, have a discerning spirit about you. Because it truly is, without a doubt, the last hour. Verse 2. By this, you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. Two things here that I want to talk about this morning. First, first I want contextually, I want to talk about what's taking place in the text. What is taking place in the text? What's happening in the early church? The Gnostics, they taught something called, I want you to write this down. And I always butcher the, butcher the word, but it, it doesn't matter what, how, I, how I say it. It's, it's what it's called. It's docetism. D-O-C-E-T-I-S-M. Docetism. Docetism said, this is what the Gnostics taught. It said this, that Jesus only appeared to be human and never actually took on flesh. That he only appeared to be human and never actually took on flesh. We know that this teaching is false and heretical. Right? Amen. Plain and simple. It's false. It is absolutely heretical. So when we look at 1 John chapter 4 and verse 2, it says, By this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. Why does it say that he's come in the flesh? Because this is exactly what the early church was dealing with. This was the problem of the day. These people had come in and said, no, he was just some type of spirit, but he wasn't flesh and bone and blood. We know that the scripture teaches us very clearly that he was born of a virgin. We know that he had hands and feet, eyelids and armpits and a nose and nostrils, eyebrows, hair. He had a heart. He breathed. He spoke. He loved. He died for us. He was real human, flesh and bone, right? So that completely debunks what the Gnostics were saying. We, we know this. I mean, this is, this is easy, but this is what was being taught in the first century church. And so, so John addresses the first issue that had come up in the early church. So now let's address an issue in the church today that's false, that's heretical, and it's about confession. As a matter of fact, it's about this very verse. Verse 2, listen to the text. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. I want you to pay attention to me. John addressed the problem that was in the early church. Now I'm going to address the problem that's in the modern church today. Listen to me. I want you to hear this. First, the problem with confession. The problem with confession. We can train and we can make our kids memorize the Roman road to where they can quote it before all people. 
And I've seen kids do it. But that don't make them a bit more saved than the man in the moon. Just because they confess that, because that is scripture, does not make them saved. Just saying that Jesus came in the flesh doesn't make one saved either. I can go up and down the road over here. Matter of fact, the guy that had the addiction problem, he believed in God. He believed in Jesus. But as soon as I begin to speak about his name, Casey will testify to this, that he ran away from me as fast as he could. He ran across the road in front of traffic. Because he didn't want to have nothing to do with it. Well, he believed that Jesus was a real person. So we got to know that confession means something more than just something with the tongue. Because the last time I checked, we can train parrots and dogs and all sorts of different critters to do things like that, right? So confession is something more than just something with the tongue. That's why I say talk is very, very cheap. Praying the Romans road or just saying Jesus came in the flesh does not make one saved. Would everybody be in agreement with that? Okay, okay. Listen to what 1 John 1, 9 tells us. We have the same word used about confessing. 1 John 1, 9 tells us that what? If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Here's another confession that we see. Just because you confess your sins does not mean that you're saved. This happens all the time in the court of law. Yes or no? People get up there and they say, I'm guilty. This is confession. This is what's happened. I am confessing that I did this. I am confessing my sins. But that does not obligate Jesus then to save you just because you confess your faults. And here again, we have anyone that can do this. Anyone can confess their sins. But it doesn't make them saved. It just makes them guilty. Right? If you don't catch nothing else, I want you to catch this. Words, words coming out of the mouth, no matter how true they are, does not necessarily signify a reality within. Amen. Right. Means we can testify what we want, but it doesn't mean that anything has changed on the inside. Amen. Just as confessing our sin in chapter 1 and 9 means to regret and to have remorse that you sinned against the Lord. It's not just words. When you look at confession in chapter 1 and verse 9 of 1 John, that confessing your sin to the Lord is a deep remorse for something that you've done. It breaks your heart that you've sinned against Him. You have missed the mark and fallen short before the glory of God, and it kills you to know that. It's not just a simple confession. No, it's something much deeper than that. It goes to the heart. 
Just as it is like that here when we see this word confession in our text, it's much deeper as well. So confessing that Jesus came in the flesh is truly believing. Listen to me, it's truly believing that that the king is my king. This is your reality that Jesus Christ belongs to you and you belong to him. This is the blessed assurance that we have in Christ Jesus. It's not just saying, well, I confess he came in the flesh. Like I said, parrots can do that. I'm talking about a reality in your life that says you love Jesus. In the heart. In the heart. My Savior, my King... He is true. He is an everyday reality in my everyday life. I have a relationship with Him. I have a fellowship with Him, which sometimes get out of kilter. But then I repent and I'm back with Him again. Close. This is what it's talking about, to confess, to know that He came in the flesh. It's truly believing and walking in that. It's not just words spoken. Those that can confess this, those that can say, yes, he is truly a reality in my daily life. I love him. I sin, but he's greater than that sin. I do wrong, but he's greater than those wrongs. He forgives me and he has compassion and mercy on me, even though I fall short all the time. Those people that, that can, can do that and can say that, these are those that the spirit is within. Not just somebody that's up here confessing, I have Jesus. I can go through Jonesville, through the houses, and, and I've done it on a lot of the streets. And say, do you know Jesus? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Then why aren't you serving him? Uh, well, you know, mom and dad did. Well, my grandparents, they started that church. That don't amount to a hill of beans before the Lord. It just doesn't. And so people can say all they want to, oh, I know Jesus, or I confess he came in the flesh, or I confess that I'm a sinner, but that does not mean that you've had a heart change. It just doesn't. I get sick of hearing it. I ask people in town, Do you know the Lord Jesus? Oh, yeah, 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 you know. I've been baptized. Ain't what I asked you. Do you know Jesus? Oh, yeah, yeah. And they're out drinking and and selling dope on the corner. I'm talking about a, a real life experience where you are serving Christ. I'll tell you what happens when you go out a lot of times when you ask people that, they say yes just so you'll leave them alone. You ever notice though the ones that truly love the Lord, they'll even want to pray with you at times. Or they'll testify to that love. They'll talk about it. Verse 3, listen to what it says. 
And every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. Pretty self-explanatory, right? And this is the spirit of the Antichrist. Of what you have heard that is coming and is now, it is already in the world. These are those that believe to their very core that Jesus is not the Son of God. And we know the world's full of them. They think that we are crazy. They think that it's, it's for weak men. They think that it is for people that, that need a little bit of Jesus or a little bit of hope. These are those that do not trust in Jesus Christ. These are those that are antichrists. It's simple. It's obvious. You see that. You walk on the same streets I was just talking about, and you will have some that will blatantly, honestly, which I would much rather have, tell you, I don't go to church and I don't believe in the Lord. You'll have them tell you that. I would rather deal with that than somebody that's going to lie to my face. And say, oh yeah, 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 I confess him. But get out of here and go somewhere else. These are antichrists. Obviously they're antichrists. And remember it's not necessarily about a confession that's mere words. But a reality in one's life. They're not even trying to cover it up. You see them all over the bars. You see them on Facebook. You see them, they are just flaunting their wickedness. They don't even care. Amen. They don't have to confess it because you can see it. All right. Just like we shouldn't have to confess who we love, people should be able to witness that, right? Amen. So it goes much deeper than just a mere confession. I want you to remember something. Simon Peter loved Jesus, didn't he? He loved him to the very core. But he denied him three times, didn't he? Remember that? He denied him three times. He failed in the flesh. But we know Simon Peter to have lived a life of faith for Jesus Christ. A life of faith for him. Peter's reality was that he loved Jesus to the very inmost being of who he was. But he still failed. Just as we do today. But you look at Peter's life and you see Peter was the only one that stepped out of the boat to walk on water. He failed. But he still walked on water for a brief, brief, brief period of time. Peter did. You see, Peter, through the Gospels, this great man of faith, his reality was that he loved Jesus more than anything else, but yet the world constantly bombarded him and he failed. And that happens to us as well. Verse 4, listen to what it says. You are from God, little children, and you have overcome them. Overcome who? The Antichrists, the false prophets, the false teachings. He is commending the early church for staying true to the Word of God and not being manipulated by the false teachings that the Gnostics were bringing in. He says, you have overcome them, little children. 
You are from God, little children, have overcome them. Because greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. How did they overcome? How did they overcome the teachings, the false teachings of the enemy? It's the same, the same way that we overcome every trial and every tribulation and every persecution and every fiery dart from the enemy. It's by what? It's by the Spirit of God dwelling in us, us putting before us the shield of faith and walking on. This is how we do it. And this is what the early church did. But now so often we don't see that type of faith before us. You have overcome the enemy and day by day are overcoming him. Because the Holy Spirit dwells within us. And because he dwells within us, it is greater than those and than that that is in the world. The devil that is in the world. The Antichrist. The false teachings. The early church had what it took because they had the Spirit of God dwelling within them. And they believed on it and they acted on it by faith. And they stayed true. Let's move on. So many people today, let's make it applicable. So many people today forget that the Holy Spirit dwells within us. And that he is more powerful than the flesh, he is more powerful than the world, and he is more powerful than Satan. We forget that. We live lives that are defeated because we forget the power that lies within is given from above and not of our own hand. I forget it. Casey tells me all the time that I try to to power my way through things. Like a bull, just power through. That's kind of in my nature. And I have to come back to reality and remember and say, greater is Matthew or greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Greater is he that is in me. If I make flesh my strength, then I'll fall short every time. I cannot be victorious. I can't hold the shield of faith up. I can't do anything. But if I realize, and that reality is, comes out by faith, that, that the Spirit of God dwells within me, you can have confidence to swing over hell on a wet noodle. <laughs> I mean, who wouldn't if you have that faith? And so... This, this, this spirit that lives within us is able to quench every fiery arrow of the enemy. It's able to extinguish them and to put them out. But that faith is a working faith, is it not? Amen. It's not just a sitting faith or it's not just a, a confessing faith, but it is a faith that is in action. Amen. Verse 5. They are from the world. Who? Those that don't believe, the Gnostics, the false teachers, false prophets. Therefore, they speak as from the world. It's not just to speak, just as ours is not just a confession. You can see it very clearly in them as well. 
They may speak that Jesus didn't come in the flesh, but I promise you this, if you follow them around, you're going to see that they don't live it either. That confession and that speaking comes from the heart, doesn't it? Listen to what it says. Therefore they speak as from the world. And the world listens to them. The world receives them. Receives their teaching. Receives their lifestyle. The pastors that have accepted all of the things that nowadays are in the church You just, have to, you just have to ask yourself the question and wonder. You know, how, how can you accept that? How can you accept that to be taught from the pulpit just concerning transgenderism? How, how, is, that, how is that acceptable? How is that okay? And the truth is, is it's not. But the, those that are of the world will accept that. Listen to the text. This is why John is so hard. I mean, he has been working my motor over for the past several months. I mean, I can't even look at Casey the wrong way without the Lord convicting my heart and being like, what's wrong with you, man? Listen to the text. They are from the world. Therefore, they speak as from the world and the world listens to them. The world receives them, not just hears them, but receives them. Receives their teaching, receives their lifestyle, receives everything about them. Receives them. And then he goes in verse 6 to us. Listen to what it says in verse 6. We are from God. He who knows God listens to us. You see the difference? One listens to the world, the teachers of the world, and one listens to the teachers of Christ. One receives the true doctrine, one receives the false. And herein we see the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. Listen to what it says. We are from God. He who knows God listens to us. He who is not from God does not listen to us. By this, we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. To listen, listen, listen to me, guys. To listen is not just to hear, just as confession is not just to speak. But to listen... To listen is to receive. You ever heard people say it goes in one ear and out the other? Well, that's listening. That's listening. You can can hear it, but then it just goes out the other ear and it doesn't have any effect. You hear audibly the noise, but then it it has no weight. It, It doesn't do anything. But to listen in this text means to receive what is being said. From the word of God. 
That is listening. Not just to hear, just as confession is not just to speak. To listen is to let it alter your life. Let it change you from the inside out. So John here in the first six verses, he calls on the church to discern the truth. To discern the truth, receive the truth, and confess the truth. And this, this should be seen in our lives. And this is what I want to leave you with this morning. Does your confession come from a reality that Jesus truly reigns in your life? Or is your confession just empty words? Something you've been trained to say. I'm going to say it one more time and I'm done. Does your confession come from a reality that Jesus truly reigns in your life? Or are they just empty, vain words? I want you to ask yourself that question this morning. Let's pray.